Hello and welcome to the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. The Oregon Wine History Archive is located at Linfield University in McMinnville, Oregon, and is dedicated to preserving and sharing the Oregon wine story. This podcast shares these stories through oral history interviews we've conducted throughout the industry. Please enjoy today's episode. My name is Rich Schmidt. We're here with Sammy Gaston at Bar Diane in Portland. It's June 7th, 2022. Sammy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, first question, biggest question to get you started is why wine? I, I guess the question I would say is why not wine? What got you excited about wine in the first place? I think it's one of those things where, I mean, I don't, I kind of always drink wine. Um, I came, I mean, I've been in the service industry since I was 14, which let's just put it this way, my career is well old enough to drink itself. Um, but you kind of come through, I came through uh, Italian restaurants. Um, I don't know how far you want to go back. All the way back? All the way back. Um, I started out work, uh, slinging malts and milkshakes at a 50s diner. Um, and so I, I just I kind of like started making beverages then. Um, and worked my way out, uh, worked there for a long time, uh, went to school, you know, went to college, um, had a hard time getting a job, in a get graduating into a recession, found another job in a bar, you know, cocktailing, um, this was the 90s, so it was, I was serving a lot of teeny, anything that could come in a cocktail shell and <laughs> be finished off with the, uh, labeled a teeny, we were serving that, and then, um, you know, got, uh, kind of kept working in restaurants, eventually got behind the bar, kind of, you know, uh, into the, like, I was part of, like, a cocktail scene for a while, but really kind of always drank wine after work, that was my shift drink, you know, just explored wine there, and then trying to think, I guess also there's like two ways kind of coming at wine, right? Um, so you're coming up in this cocktail scene because it's fun and hip and everybody, it's new, right? Um, and then, so, but my gateway drug, if you will, there was, um, I was really into vermouth and fortified wines and how that could play into like mixing of cocktails and what different Amaro, or different vermouths from different regions and styles, what they meant and how that worked. And then, um, also started working at, I was, I worked at an Italian restaurant in this neighborhood for about 10 years, so had the introduction to Italian wine, and this was the age of Robert Parker, and we had a lot of uh, people were really worried about what their score was on the Super Tuscan that they wanted for their table, right? So we're, you know, doing a lot of that. Um, but, you know, one thing led to another, and I had the opportunity to launch, I was, um, Oh, I'm skipping ahead, but it's like working at the Italian restaurant. It's called Bastas. It's no longer there, um, but it was it was an awesome place. Um, but then I started getting so I was bartending there. I'm kind of doing you know really working with a lot of Italian ingredients, and then got a job downtown at Clyde Common, um, where I was uh, behind the bar, uh, they, mostly during daytime, but did a few nights and things, um, and then through that. I helped open Pepe Lamoco. So um, my gateway, I guess my other gateway drug to the wine world was um, we had an amazing champagne list. And that was, <laughs> that was amazing, but it was sort of like, 
oh, I was introduced to Grower Champagne and going, oh my gosh, this is the bee's knees and I need to be doing something more like this. I ended up kind of taking classes and figuring out figuring out where I fit in the industry as, you know, it's like there comes a time where I, you don't want to come home at five in the morning anymore. And so you're going, well, I really love hospitality. I really love food and beverage, but what is the element and where do I, where do I fit in? And maybe this is where, <laughs> you know, I feel like it's still an evolution. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, as you're working with all different kinds of alcohols and all different kinds of places, mm -hmm. was there something special about wine, something different about wine for, uh, uh, compared to cocktails or beers or other things? I think uh, a big part of, like, there's a there's an inclusion in wine that you don't have when you have a cocktail. So uh, basically, unless, okay, say you're making cocktails like punch, then you've got, you know, this community thing happening around it. But when you open a bottle of wine, it's you kind of have this experience, and I feel like you want to share that, unless you're that person who like has one drink, one, you know. But there's a there's a communal like, you get to experience like a time and place, and there's something about not only where the wine came from and how how it got to your table, but what it means and the expression that's happening mm -hmm. there. So tell me about your own like wine education then. Obviously you learned a lot of different things a lot of different times. At what, what point did you feel sort of comfortable, excited about wine? Uh, and what point did you feel like you had, you were like, you had learned about wine, you, you were excited to know more about wine? I mean, I think it goes back to, so I grew up, I, I should, I grew up in a household where my father was a bartender and my mom was a cocktail waitress, and that's how they met. And I grew up looking at, they used to save um, labels from, important bottles of wine that they shared together um, and we had like these weird you know it's like that was the 70s so there was like these weird cork boards of like my parents are also from California so it was primarily things like Ridge which is why it's on the wine list here today <laughs> and Maya Kama and it was like there and they always had like if we had a nice dinner I got you know this little thimble thing of wine so it would be like okay try this and appreciate it and at first you'd be like and then you kind of got in there, you were like, oh, well, this is this is fun. And then they'd be like, that's enough, because we don't want to share with you. <laughs> we don't really want to share with you. But um, uh, I feel like there was always that through line. And then I always explored wine on my own, whereas um, I think the other part of like always being in the service industry is that like I'm a visual artist. Mm -hmm. And so how do you pay your bills? And um, working in the service industry allowed me to explore both things, but as a curious by nature person, I'd you know go to the uh, the whether it was the food co-op, the wine shop, wherever, and find something that I didn't recognize, and go, what is this? I'll try it. And usually the things in that category um, that I could afford were like were usually better than something recognizable, right? And so. I explored a lot of like, you know, Spanish and Portuguese and lesser Italian varietals in in my developing career where you're like, oh, of course. Yeah. But that's what I could afford. 
you brought up your, your other passion there with art. Tell me a little bit about sort of the, your, your life in art, uh, visual art, as you mentioned. Uh, tell me about the sort of education and, and career in that. Um, so I, I, have my, I have my second degree is actually in apparel design. And within that, I was doing um, it was fashion illustration and uh, trend forecasting. <laughs> Um, but I, I studied, before completing that degree, I studied heavily um, just painting and drawing and two-dimensional art. And um, just, I've always, studio arts were kind of my, that's my thing. Um, but, yeah. I'm curious about the, the fashion design. That's an interesting, interesting path. Tell me about that a little bit. Um, <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, Okay, so I started out, I actually was, I mean, I'm like, how far do you go back? <laughs> it's kind of like, there's like, you know, it's like the whole picture, but how much do you want? Um, so I was going to school, I was actually moved up to Portland from, uh, I was at UC Santa Cruz, and I was a, a fine arts major there. Um, unfortunately, during my tenure there, um, there was the Enron scandal, and uh, the governor got uh, Gray Davis was recalled, and I was in a position where I could no longer afford my tuition as an out-of-state student. Um, and I transferred to finish my degree up in Portland, and I had never been here before. And I was like, okay, well, it rains. I mean, Santa Cruz is kind of rainy. Like, um, Long story short, I transferred to a school that I kind of wasn't enthralled in the arts program, and but I also was like done being in school, so I basically went to my academic advisor and I was like, how can I graduate in four years while taking one year abroad? And so I have a degree in Spanish literature, <laughs> which was great, and I got to live in Latin America, and um, but just sort of, I just was ready to be done with school and ready to kind of get into the world, and um, unfortunately, upon graduation, I found myself in a recession and trying to figure out what to do. And then I decided to go back to school and pursue something that might be of interest <laughs> to me, but um, which was, which, and I totally was a passion, but um, was also that thing where the shoe didn't quite fit, if that makes sense. Like it's great. But it was like one of those things where you're like, oh, this isn't this isn't me. So, take take us through the the process. Obviously, we're kind of skipping ahead a little bit, but the process of of, of this place. At, at what point did this become something you wanted to do? You you obviously worked a lot of different places. You helped a lot of yeah. places. What point did you want to do something on your own? Um, I think there was coming back to like you know when you. You, you go, if something for you doesn't exist, then you need to make that thing. So there's a, I think as I kind of developed a career in the wine world, didn't really know where I fit in, right? And there's like, you'd go to a lot of places or wine tastings and just sort of feel a little uncomfortable, even though, you know, I've got taken a lot of classes, earned a lot of those little pins, you know, drank wine for decades, but there's a, you're, you still want to go, this, where, where, where do I want to go? Where do I want to hang out? And um, this place, and I've lived in this neighborhood 
well, now I live across Burnside, so I'm technically not in the neighborhood anymore, but um, I lived in this, I moved up to this neighborhood in 2004 and just wanted a place to hang out. Like, where would I want to go after work? And um, that sort of idea stewed for a few years um, and then was put on the back burner. And then um, a friend of mine, who's my business partner here, kind of finally was like, gave me that nudge where he's like, I'm going to do this. Are you in? And I was sort of like, yes, fine. You know, it was kind of like, all right, let's do it. And the this place was sort of born. <laughs> and that was, um, that idea was four years ago this June. Yeah. And when they had the idea, how how much of this was the idea? How 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 far did it? How long did it take you to kind of have the the final, the, the final what you finally wanted to make it look like? Um, I think I think we I mean you we like marinated on this right for a while it was because you want to take like well at first it was just going to be a wine bar <laughs> and then we added cocktails and then the kind of the there's not I don't want to call it like the snowball rolling down the hill effect but. Things just sort of started building on each other, and I went, oh, wow, okay, we're taking on a lot. <laughs> um, but it, we had the right kind of people and momentum. All, a lot of things came together. Um, and then I'm trying to think. It's like now I'm skipping ahead because I've just been, I feel like I've just been in it since we launched because we were open for five months, and you're going, oh, there's this thing called a coronavirus. And everyone's like, well, what do we do? Like, what? don't touch, you know? Um, and so we had to shut down. And I think I just lost my train of thought because you asked me a question that I just started <laughs> going That's to. fine. You, okay. You can keep going. Or we were talking about, is this sort of like the place and, and what, it, what you wanted it to be? I feel like it's, it's, uh, it's beyond what I could have thought of myself. Because the cool thing that I think that Bardayan did is that like, you, the best thing I could have done was create a space. And then the community and culture that then inhabits that space is going to bring and be more talented than I could possibly even imagine. And that's what's so cool, is um, we've got a really like special crew now. Not that, And we've had like some really talented people come and go in our short lifespan. But there's an, there's an energy and enthusiasm that I had no idea it was there. I mean, like, I'm really excited because I feel like people are excited excited about the same thing that I was. And yeah, there's just a lot of momentum. And I'm, I'm kind of humbled by it, to be honest with you. It's kind of amazing. Tell me about, and this can be here or, or before, tell me about mm -hmm. the idea of, of putting together a wine list, or putting together a, a, a what you want, the offerings you want to make. How do you put that together? What, what were you thinking of? And how do you sort of build a balanced list? Um, well, I think, what's the, I mean, what's the purpose of the list? Like, is it, at first, you know, we were, um, the idea was like a sustainability, you know, and, and there's this debate about the natural wine world and um, versus the natty wine world, if you will, and <laughs> what comes with that. Um, 
but there was the, there's the eth ethos of where we started and it's like we want wine that is expressive of time and place mm -hmm. and we wanted to focus on smaller production you know where you still have a few this is nothing's like crazy dogmatic but you want uh, we wanted to focus on native yeast fermentation and um, smaller production. I try to find and work with female producers and members of the LGBTQ community when we can. Um, and then, but if the wine's not delicious, then we'll have to find a wine that is. Um, and we also have like a, a kind of a French inspired food menu. so with some richer dishes so you do want to make sure wine works with that but there's also that there's also that portion of the list where you want to be able to like just come in and drink a bottle of wine with friends and not not be like oh my gosh my stomach you know like you want to there, so there's a I guess the wine needs to be fun and delicious and then meet all those other qualifications but I have to like the wine <laughs> otherwise it didn't, it's like well, has to be one one parameter. I mean, like, yeah. At the end of the day, you're like, would I want to drink this? And if I don't, but most of the time I do, so it's not a big deal. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so, what's your process then for finding these kinds of wines? I think it varies. We work, we work with several uh, local distributors, but we also work directly with some winemakers. Um, we find people from word of mouth, uh, via email, um, other people um, will be like, you know, mention someone, oh, you haven't, you know, this is, there's this like crazy web of a network of wine industry folks here and you're just kind of keep, just like one degree of separation, which is pretty fun. Um, but through all different means, people find us on social media, um, some people just, hear about us on, like they'll find us on google maps and go what is this place i have no idea and people are still doing that because we're still in we're still in that like new phase of stuff so i guess lots of different ways that's that's, that's awesome I, I love that uh tell me about uh you mentioned kind of ethos which is always a fun word for us to talk about tell me what, what is <laughs> what is the ethos of this place um i think for me it's about fun and it's about having a, like, a safe space to be yourself. Um, I mean, that's all I could ask for. Oh, and the wine's good. <laughs> so tell me about, you mentioned that you opened right before the pandemic. So tell me about the process of of getting, of opening, of, of, of the name, of the design, of the, the kind of the, the initial, and then the first, the pre-pandemic pre time, how, how things were going before, sure. before March of 2020. Okay, um, so while we're kind of incubating the idea of what it means to have a neighborhood wine bar, um, we were kicking around like, oh gosh, what do we call it, what do we call it? And as someone who's been in the industry for a long time, there's this thing about like, a place that is named after a person, you know, even like Casablanca, right? You want to go to Rick's Cafe American. There's, um, so we're kicking around and I'm like, well, okay, kicking around family names. And um, it just sort of worked out that uh, my business partner's mother is a Diana. 
and I am a big Twin Peaks fan. And I mean, the, the original series, and he talks, Agent Cooper talks to uh, Diane on the phone, or you know, on his radio, or, but you never actually see her. She's this like omnipresent kind of, I don't know if it's like a compass or whatever, but that, that's pretty cool. And then it just also so um, happened, I was rewatching Drugstore Cowboy, that Gus Van Sant film. It was actually filmed right across the street. Um, and the leading actress, uh, Kelly Lynch's character was Diane. And I was like, you know, I feel like three things. This is like, this is right. And I mean, and I feel bad because my mother's name is Debbie, but it just wasn't, it didn't have the same ring to it. <laughs> So from there, uh, tell me about the opening, the opening of the place. So we, uh, we opened September 24th of 2019. And um, at the time, it was, I feel like we've evolved a lot, but it was an order at the bar. There was sort of, it was a little bit more casual. I don't know if... Casual's not quite the right word, but you kind of, you came, you ordered at the bar, you know, you ran a tab. Um, we, it was a little rowdier. There was a little less like structure, um, but it was fun. And it was kind of crazy to think like we were open a short time, but on Friday nights, you know, it'd be packed in here and it would be kind of loud. And a couple of my friends would DJ and, it, it had a very, there was a lot of energy. And then, um, but we were also kind of in that, you know, when you're so in your, in your infancy, it's sort of like establishing a, a voice and a place. And you try a few things and go, oh, that's not working. Okay, let's tweak that. Or, oh, we're seeing this, you know. And uh, we were actually just about to kind of do a little kind of menu change and uh, I hate to use the word pivot because I feel like we've exhausted that word over, but do a little like tweaking. And the next thing I know is the, you know, okay, we're shutting down and I'm going, okay, you know, I'm a first time business owner and I was just going, okay, what does this mean? Like, um, you know, and I had a couple of like friends that were working for me and they're like, are you laying me off? I need to do an, I need to, you know, the line for unemployment's growing, like how, and I'm, I, I just was like, okay, one day at a time, like, you know, trying to do work with, um, there was some like Slack feed channels, the um, Portland Independent Restaurant Coalition and things where you were like kind of using as resources and, but you know, nobody had done any of this before. So it's new to everybody. We're going, okay, so it's gonna be, but it's just gonna be for four weeks. We're gonna shut down for four weeks. Four weeks turned into six weeks, turned into eight weeks, turned into a year. I mean, I'm trying to think, cause we, the shutdown was in March of, it was St. Patrick's Day of 2020. And then I don't think we reopened did we not reopen for dine-in until that June? Sounds about right. Okay, I was like, it was sometime in June. Because there was a, a scramble, there was that, the, the shutdown was really kind of, actually kind of scary. Um, 
especially uh, in in the vicinity of downtown Portland, and there was a lot of plywood over a lot of windows for what felt like a really long time. Um, but I mean, on the bright side, we did get some PPP, so I was able to like <laughs> bring back my two full-time employees, which was crazy, um, who both happened to be working in the kitchen. So it was me and um, the two chefs. And so we were just going, okay, what can we do? And um, I taught myself e-commerce and we put up a bottle shop online. Um, at first it was just selling what we had. Um, Cause with, you know, when you're a new business and we had taken out some loans and done this build out and I had just run payroll and the shutdown came, I was like, How, what am I gonna do? Um, so I just started liquidating. <laughs> I was like, well, we've got these fun wines and they should go to good homes. Let's, so uh, we started out by selling like, um, you know, blind packs because I had such a random collection of inventory. So I'd have somebody tell me uh, um, through our website how much they wanted to spend what they were looking for and when they were gonna come pick it up. So I'd put these packs together and they'd call and I'd like, you know, this was when we did curbside pickup and everyone was afraid. So we'd put their, you know, case of wine or whatnot, three bottles sometimes out, run it, drop it in the back of their truck and wave, you know, car. And we kept doing that. And then the next thing you know, I was, I had to start ordering wine. I was going, oh, this is working. It was kind of, and people were, I think because of shutdown too, people were curious. So some of the lesser known varietals or interesting regions, and then they, uh, you know, we'd write them little notes like what this might pair with and like a little bit about why I like this wine or, you know, we'd have people dropping us lines. And then it started to kind of get a little very entertaining, like calling up Sammy, what's my best wine for a BLT? You know, or I'm listening to this Miles Davis record. What wine should I drink? We had, it was just, you know, we trying to make the most of it. Um, meanwhile, uh, while I'm kind of running around doing that, I have the, um, our cooks are developing like how we can do a lot of things in house because, you know, with the shutdown, we had the supply chain issues. At one point, we couldn't buy bread. So that we started making our own bread. They started doing their own cultured butter. We put together little meal kits. Like, all of a sudden, it was like, oh, we have this sort of like, out, this little gourmet outpost. And, um, which is cool, was really fun. It was scary, but it was also like, you really felt like every day you were like, I'm making progress. We're like, you know, all of a sudden you can like pay some bills and you're like, get, you felt like you're gaining ground and that was, it felt really centering and kind of exciting in this like, when the rest of everything in the world felt like a free fall and you're like, I don't know, I can't, you know, otherwise you know, pretty much would come between my apartment and this place <laughs> and then you're like, but it was, and in a way it, it was also really fun because it, it was a way to reach a lot of people in our, not only like the neighborhood, but kind of keep a community like together, even if we were talking about silly wine pairings.
I'm curious about that since you, you hadn't had a whole lot of time to build a following yet. You had, you know, you like you said, you're you're so new. So tell me about. Did you find you were finding new customers even during the pandemic? Were you kind of reaching new avenues that you weren't expecting? I think, I mean, there was a little, I think so. I mean, it's also kind of, I, I, we put our sandwich board out, right? And this is, 21st is a busy enough street. We had people kind of wandering down and going, what is this? Like, what's back here? You have this little oasis and, it's like, yeah, and um, and then at one point, everything inside was, we had shelves, so this was a bottle shop. That far room was, um, I had to put a curtain over it, because that's where I was storing all the junk that I couldn't, like, you know, all the tables and chairs, I was like, everything's back there, there's nothing to see. But people, I, I guess they found us on social media. Um, we didn't really advertise. Um, I didn't have a budget for it. Um, but the next thing I know, it's like friends told their friends and told their friends. And that's kind of the best thing you could ask for. And they still tell their friends. <laughs> so I'm like, that's great. What's been the, as you've now started to reopen and get, get back towards what you originally anticipated this, this place being, what has that been like, or kind of the round two of, of being open to the public? Uh, round two, I mean, in a way, I feel like I'm in round five. Because um, the first, you know, it's like we had round one pre-pandemic. Round two was when we started, we had a few tables outside and seating and a very limited menu. Um, we went paperless, which was cool. So, you know, it's still, people are pushing back on it a little bit, but... I love that you can order via a QR code on your phone and then when I need to update the wine list, it's like updated and everybody's got the immediate thing. Um, but uh, our, our menu expanded, we had like table service and now, um, and then we kind of, and then we brought, then as, as the, the seating and the demand for the restaurant kind of started to come back, the bottle shop would shrink. And then, you know, and then I'd have regulars who were only bottle shop people come in and go, oh, <laughs> the selection's getting smaller. And I was like, well, I have a surprise. I have something up my sleeve, like hold tight. Um, and then eventually we got everything, the whole bottle shop out of this place and next door. So we opened a, um, actually we're on month three. Um, we have a little, so from our, um, that's our gourmet outpost, if you will. Um, we we recognize both the need to have like that sort of space, and then this the restaurant bar space. Mm -hmm. So um, we're figuring we're still ironing out all the wrinkles and expanding, and we have a bottle shop with over like 400 different bottles, and you know we a bigger oven to bake all the breads and things on site. Um, so I feel like we got to a point here where, I feel like I'm just rambling, mm. but <laughs> um, this is great. we got to a point here where it's like, okay, the demand, now we like have a reservation system. Because mm -hmm. so I, I was a anti-reservation person because I like things to be spontaneous. People like reservations, <laughs> it makes them feel <laughs> 
So, so we take a limited number of reservations each night. Got that in the system. We have a host, um, you know, running just uh, running a nightly service mm -hmm. seven nights a week. So that's where I'm like, wow, that's crazy. You know, but if and it feels like a sh it doesn't feel like a very long distance between me dropping a case of wine in the back of someone's SUV to having. You know, mm -hmm. a restaurant. Mm -hmm. It's it, it's kind of surreal. Mm -hmm. Even though, even though that was the goal the whole time. You know what I mean? Like it's just like, oh, remember when we were surviving? Yeah. And we're still. I mean, in a way, you're still always surviving, but there's there's hope. Mm -hmm. There's a light at the. I feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And the bottle shop is Negociant? Negociant. So tell me about the, as, as you were, you, you, it was not something you intended. The bottle shop was not something you intended. You just, you just, you realized the popularity of. So as you were setting it up, what, is it same wines or is it a sort of a different, it's different style? Um, I feel like the, the program at Negociant is a little more inclusive because we want to be able to um, have a wider uh, range of things available for, you know, we, we have a lot of upstairs neighbors and things. So making sure we cover a little, a few more bases, but still keeping that sustainability in mind, like uh, ethically farmed wine is a really big, is a really important um, element for not only me, but um, my business partner's other Venture is a plant nursery, which is why everything is green and beautiful here. <laughs> um, so, um, the the healthy viticulture is mm -hmm. the thing. Um, something that's going you mentioned earlier that you you had kind of you had the kind of lesser known varietals, lesser known regions were something that was, as you were learning. So if you were if you're coming here as a customer, is there uh, is there a certain sort of besides sort of sustainable? Is there a theme to the wines, or is the, is there a uh, would I expect to find things here that I wouldn't find other places? I think you would expect to find things here you wouldn't find other places. Uh, where we do often try to find a. Um, I feel like there's American, or there's a lot of a perception that uh, some wine drinkers approach this where they only drink a certain varietal of wine, and a lot of times we don't carry that varietal of wine. So we try to ask like questions and work with, you know, the diner mm -hmm. or say, well, what is it about that wine that you like, and let's can we introduce you to something that would be a little bit different but still kind of check those boxes. Mm -hmm. And the other part, the other um, interesting, the other challenge for us too is that because we work with a lot of small productions, like we'll get a case of something and then when it's gone, it's gone. So we are gonna try to get you to taste something else. So the idea is that you continuously explore, mm -hmm. but there's not like a, so I guess you have to be a curious wine drinker. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. I'm gonna I'm gonna follow that up by asking if that's if is that have you found a lot of people who that who are excited by that and less of people who like I want this varietal and only this varietal. Right. I know, and I think that's the that's the cool part is that um, we people. I don't know if it was from the pandemic or if it's just like this natural zeitgeist of what we're dealing with, but people are a lot more adventurous um, than I remember as a server um, years ago. 
where, you know, if you only drink a Cabernet Sauvignon, then that's all you drink. Or, you know, and now I feel like people are like, oh, this is interesting, Can I, I'll check, mm -hmm. I'll try it. They might not always like it, but I feel like there's an openness to going, yeah, why not? Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was because we all missed traveling so much during COVID or <laughs> where you're like, what happened? So I want to back up a little bit. You, obviously, uh, you have a long experience before starting this. So I want to talk about sort of on those lines, sort of customers uh, and their 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 questions and their sort of demands over time. H how have you seen customers, especially wine customers, change in, their, in terms of their knowledge, in terms of their the questions they ask, in terms of their expectations? Um, and what does what do your kind of wine customers look like today? That, that the people you're serving now. Um, I think in this question in reverse. I think the, the exciting part for me is that there's not a homogenous wine customer. And so we've got, um, whether that's like racially or by generation, so we see all kinds of customers um, from the uh, elderly lady that lives down the street that needs to have a wine in a screw cap because her arthritis is bad and needs to be able to get into it but doesn't want to give up drinking wine, <laughs> um, to the kind of younger, um, like, I guess it's like that Instagram or social media going, I saw a picture of this wine. They don't know, they don't know what it is or might not, be able, might not recognize it, but do you have this? And, and so you're going, okay. And they're just really excited yeah. to like try something. Um, and then we have, the few, a few um, kind of people who want to find something to put away in their cellar. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of everyday drinkers. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of like, oh, or I'm going to my friend's house for a dinner party and I need to find something that they, you know, mm -hmm. I need something that's like good <laughs> and like, but at a certain, you know, but I've got X amount of money for mm -hmm. this endeavor. So I feel like you get a little bit of both. Or, and then I have, and then there's the customer that's like, oh, I only drink this one wine, and then you have it, and they buy everything off the shelf. <laughs> and then I'm going, okay. <laughs> so the, they, they might be a little less exploratory, but at least they know what they like, so. Um, yeah. You had talked earlier about sort of the scores at the time, the time when wine scores were so important to everyone. Do you find that they are still to the, today? I think. What we're, what we're seeing on the retail side is that instead of, um, you know, your Parker score, um, you're, uh, we do have a few select customers, uh, a handful of customers in the shop that result, uh, default to using, um, oh God, what's the name of the app? Um, I want to say Bovino. Mm -hmm, that sounds right. Okay. Instead of asking, you know, instead of asking them, <laughs> asking uh, the attendant for help, they'll look it up on the app and that will be their sort of like guide. Mm -hmm. Which in a way it's like that's cool because you've got this resource, but also there's that thing where you're like, we want to help you. Like, I don't know, everybody's got their different comfort levels, but I feel like there's a, people really use, there's a lot of, you know, you'll ask someone, oh, can I help you get the, and you see them take a picture of the label and look it up real quick. 
and then they'll m maybe get it or decide to move on. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, you're like, I guess we don't go to the, you know, like a blockbuster anymore, but be like look, looking up the Rotten Tomatoes review as opposed to reading the back of the cassette mm -hmm. and then moving on or whatever, but so then. <laughs> There's a lot of information out there now. Yeah. Uh, tell me about uh, building your team here. Uh, what do you look for in, in the people you're you're hiring to, to come here, and what are you kind of ex what are your kind of expectations for their sort of customer service? I feel like the most important thing um, for anyone here is that it's like you're, it's a hospitality. I want there's a um, it's, I don't know what the best way to describe it, but there's like a warmth. Mm -hmm. um, and welcoming. So, um, and I'm, I'm like totally excited and love that my the staff here. It's like I only, I hear great things. Like, oh, so and so is so amazing. They help you know just like with a wine list and food program that's a little bit you know maybe not commonplace or maybe a little bit mm -hmm. different. Uh, it's really exciting that we have a cool staff that is engaging and engages with the customer and helps them find just what they're, maybe even not what they're looking for, but t takes them in a direction that, you know, can them fun. Mm -hmm. But it's, it, I think it all ties back with that thing of like, why wine? Because wine is better with other people. It's like, you know, full circle. I don't know, unless you've had a really bad day and then you just need a bottle of wine and <laughs> half a bottle of Chardonnay and forget about it. But, but you know, it's, there's a communal thing. And I think if there's, um, you want people who are a gracious host. That's harder than you think. <laughs> yeah. Especially day in and day out. Mm -hmm. So I've got a talented staff. How do you, obviously you're looking for that as kind of a, as a natural thing in the person you're hiring, but how, how do you sort of spark that for people? How do you kind of make it, a, make it something that is an expectation in a, a, as for working here? That's a good question. Um, I feel like I don't do it on my own. I feel like I've got, got some really great uh, kind of leaders here and just a like an excitement and I think if you're excited you're gonna be if you're there's a there's a real positive energy and, and, and like to reinforce that like excitement and so when when I feel like that's happening amongst the staff mm -hmm. it's it's almost the natural thing to follow where you're like hey this thing's really cool we're into it you should be into it too and that part it's like oh that's awesome. And I'm excited then. So, but, um, and I do think my staff has been really patient with me um, as uh, we've gone through so many transitions and I'm, I'm less available now than I used to be. And so where I used to work service every night with everyone, I've got, you know, uh, there's a lot more moving pieces. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's cool to be able to like, hand off that baton to people who are really excited to, mm -hmm. to carry it mm -hmm. forward. 
So take me through uh, sort of the, the future now as you're looking ahead. Uh, what do you kind of foresee for the next few years here? What are you looking forward to trying or, or adding? And is there, do you have certain goals in mind that you're looking forward to? Um, for the bar particularly, uh, I think we're just looking to have some, you know, have fun. Um, we're always going to be kind of, as wines uh, enter the market, which is a little bit unpredictable now with everything shipping related, <laughs> you know, be like, well, that's still on a container somewhere outside of Valencia, I think. <laughs> like, oh, wait, this might be in Long Beach. We don't know. Um, we're trying to just be flexible um, and have fun. And I think, you know, we're as, I just want to be able to evolve. Mm -hmm. And if things are working, they're working. If they need to change, we'll adjust, mm -hmm. figure it out. I know the, the upstairs neighbors sometimes are mad at us because we make a little too much noise, but we're working on that too. <laughs> so. But I, I, with that, I think, the, the bigger growth potential is next door mm -hmm. at the shop as we are unfortunately dealing with a staffing shortage as most restaurants are, um, especially concerning back of house employees. But um, we have a little secret weapon over there and that is a um, hidden event space. So it's kind of a private dining room that's tucked behind and we're, we had our first event there on Saturday night. Mm -hmm. And I'm really excited about kind of bringing in, using that as a more of a community space to bring in some local winemakers, um, distributors, and have that be a little, a lot more like wine focused mm -hmm. um, and, and available to the public. So mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to getting that together. So obviously your, your work here is not entirely focused on the Oregon wine industry, but obviously part of what you're doing, the Oregon wine industry, I'm, I'm curious, uh, as you were starting to understand the Oregon wine industry, starting to meet people in it, starting to taste the wines, what were your kind of early impressions of Oregon wine industry and how have how has it changed in your eyes to now, up to now? Yeah, well, I was going to say, it's kind of, I always, I feel a little bit like an imposter as um, I came to wine, I worked for an Italian for a decade. I came to wine through uh, Italian mm -hmm. wine um, and then I didn't, in my initial wine drinking years, I didn't get into Oregon wine. A lot of it was because I couldn't afford to. Um, and so I think the exciting part with what's happening now is that th we are seeing a lot. I'm, you know, I can't speak to, you know, before I really wasn't in, involved in the buying, but we're, we're seeing, like, I'm working with people who are like, this is their first vintage. This is their second vintage, bringing this stuff to market. And, um, you know, maybe we're going to have a release party for them. And we're going to kind of expand what it means to be in the Oregon wine industry. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Has it gotten more accessible, do you think, Oregon wine? I think so. I feel like, the, um, I feel like there's a ways that, you know, there's, there's certain wines that are, are, you know, they are not accessible to a lot of folks, mm -hmm. but I think that the industry as a whole is kind of, I mean, this is just my perception, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Which is um, a, some, a, a narrow view because of, you know, what I would 
bring on to market for my, for our purposes here. But I it, I feel like there's a there's a conversation and there's um, a youthfulness mm -hmm. that's coming through, where you know people are excited about you know maybe somebody's like um, experimental. 2020 vintage, for example. So there's, I think with, I mean, you also wanted to talk about all the climate change and forest fires mm -hmm. that have happened and um, and what the wine industry is doing to work with mm -hmm. kind of the hands that have been dealt. And so how do we, mm -hmm. how do we bring those together? Mm -hmm. And not just, and um, not just like from the valley, but we're seeing some really cool stuff out of the gorge mm -hmm. too. So it's fun. What about as you look ahead for the industry? Obviously, you mentioned kind of a youthfulness to it now, and, and a lot, of, but also has been dealt some tough hands the last few years. Yeah. So, what do you see as you look ahead for Oregon wine, and what are you maybe looking forward to, and, and what are you maybe uh, is there anything you're fearful of? Um, I, I mean, I'm excited to see where we go. I'm excited also to see a diversification in um, grape varietals being used and. Uh, winemaking techniques, mm -hmm. you know, um, so, but I, I do worry, I mean, I, I think climate change is real, I think we're going to have some, some tough vintages uh, ahead of us, and, um, and how do we, yeah, I just think, how can we better weather the storm, and how, what can I do on my part, which is like, you know, the retail restaurant side, and how do I help support mm -hmm. that, where, Okay, so um, for example, it's been really cool working with uh, Crowley this year, um, where uh, well over the over the last couple of years, where they've been releasing like flashback vintages because they didn't have a 2020 mm -hmm. vintage, and what's in Elevage now is now ready for release. So um, they've presented us with like this. It flew off the shelves because it was awesome, but um, they bottled a uh, 2013 and worked with restaurants and we just did it at a price point where we could class for it. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden that's like, that's getting into more people's hands mm -hmm. and that's really cool. And you know, it's now, I've got, you know, a 22 year old who's like, oh, this is my first glass of Crowley. And it's like, well, that's cool. Like maybe you'll explore that more. Um, and then they just worked with, uh, just released their uh, a 2018 Dundee Hills kind of limited thing. And that's mm -hmm. pretty, and that's, so there's this fun part where it's like, where where can you find a space for this stuff and how do we and how do we help mm -hmm. so so on on that note what what how do you see your role then in the industry what is what is sort of the your your the, the role you play and the, the way you can uh, be part of the industry and help the industry um, well i think it helps that i drink wine <laughs> but i i mean a big part of it i think is like i feel like more like a this sounds kind of weird um, when it's like, do I vocalize it like that? This is an archive. Um, but like a venue or creating, I think the biggest thing that I could do is provide a space. Mm -hmm. uh, provide a space where someone could come in and say, or present, hey, here's this project. What do you think? Does this work? Can we, how do we bring, how do we let people know about this? Mm -hmm. um, which that for me is really exciting. Because mm -hmm. I get, you know, you want to try different stuff all the time. At least I do. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's like, how do we, how do we help 
make something more accessible, especially being located in a dense part of the city. And it's, you know, not everyone has the opportunity to travel to wine country, even though it's really close. But there's still, that's a barrier mm -hmm. to entry and maybe just bring cool stuff to your neighborhood. So tell me about, uh, we talked about kind of the future for this place, uh, future for yourself. Is there anything you're looking ahead to for yourself, excited about uh, uh, places to, to travel or new projects, anything like that? Um, I mean, I'm really looking forward to a weekend. <laughs> I, 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 it sounds crazy, but with everything that's happened in opening, I mean, I can't tell you last time I had two days off in a row. I'm looking forward to that. That's a short-term goal. It's within sight, but I mean, I I feel like for me trying to, um, it's kind of crazy. I Yeah, just like there's been so much momentum and I've been running on a lot of adrenaline for a while and you're going, okay, what's next? Mm -hmm. But I need to like digest what's happened, if that makes sense, <laughs> where you're like, oh, okay, what, what did we do and what's the bigger impact, um, and then how do we, you know, and um, how do we start maybe working with these other groups um, as in the, in Oregon wine, you know, people coming and asking for collaborations and doing things, and it's like, I think that's probably the next space is saying, oh, okay, um, you know, I'm working with, the, yeah, different interest groups. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So maybe less like swinging a hammer and a paintbrush and more, <laughs> more you know, ideas. Mm -hmm. Doing the things you thought you were going to be doing all along. Sort, sort of. <laughs> yeah. That's all the questions that I have for you. Okay. Anything I didn't ask that I should have? Anything we didn't cover that we should have covered? I don't know. You tell me. I think we covered it all. Cool. Okay. Any questions from you guys? Anything we didn't cover? All right. Thank you so much no. for your time, for, uh, for sharing your space with us and your yeah. stories. And uh, we'll go ahead and let you off the hook. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. And thank you to all our supporters, partners, donors, and interviewees who have helped make our project a success. Be sure to check out our website at OregonWineHistoryArchive.org for more interviews, photographs, wine labels, and more. And stay tuned for more interviews as we tell the story of Oregon wine. The Oregon Wine History Archive podcast is brought to you from the Oregon Wine History Archive at Linfield University. With a very special thank you to all the Linfield Archive students who have contributed to these oral history interviews over the years.